Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. God's love will not clear the guilty. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Exodus 34, 7. There will soon be a sudden change in God's dealing. The world and its perversity is being visited by casualties, by floods, storms, fires, earthquakes, famines, wars, and bloodshed. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, yet he will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Oh, that men might understand the patience and long-suffering of God. He is putting under restraint his own attributes. His omnipotent power is under the control of omnipotence. Oh, that men would understand that God refuses to be wearied out with the world's perversity and still holds out the hope of forgiveness even to the most undeserving. But... His forbearance will not always continue. Who's prepared for the sudden change that will take place in God's dealing with sinful men? Who will be prepared to escape the punishment that will certainly fall upon transgressors? We have not a temporal millennium in which to do the work of warning the world. There's need of transformation of soul. The most effective intelligence that can be obtained will be obtained in the school of Christ. God has given to men a declaration of his character and of his method of dealing with sin. The power and authority of the divine government will be employed to put down rebellion. Yet, all the manifestation of retributive justice will be perfectly consistent with the character of God as a merciful, long-suffering, benevolent being. Why do you think God's mercy will stop one day and then not clear the guilty? First, what is a definition of guilty? In 1828, No Webster's Dictionary says, knowingly committing a crime of a, or offense and violating a law. The key word is, seems to be knowingly. I'm going to share... Sorry, my kitten is jumping in the middle of everything. Hold on. Sorry about that. He needed some attention. Okay. So the key word it seems to be knowingly. Okay, I'm going to share my understanding and we can see if it fits or if you have a deeper thought about it. And of course, I'm always interested in hearing those thoughts. I've read that uh, God has made provision... And he's willing and able to work with us, for we're all guilty, and we're all fallen by nature. As long as we're willing to work with him, repent, confess, accept his sacrifice, have some humility. But for those who are in open rebellion and clearly at enmity with him, there's nothing he can do. There's no remedy for true rebellion. And when someone is in that condition, 
God's mercy is set on protecting his children who are trying to please him from um, the ones who are clearly in rebellion. So though we occasionally fail, he's going to try to protect us from the mad dog, <laughs> if you will. But God's plan has been revealed to us in different ways in the Bible, and the plan always has an end and a restoration. And the sin problem is not going to inhabit his perfect omniverse forever. Right? The first way that God revealed his plan to us was through the sacrifice of a lamb at the gate of Eden. And Cain was rebellious and he brought fruit. But, you know, fruit does not represent Jesus as the lamb of God. Uh, that rebellion couldn't be accepted. Okay, so then God opened his plan more fully in the sanctuary service and it played out over a year's time and repeated continually uh, it was a, a year long and ending in the Day of Atonement the Jewish calendar had a civil and a religious calendar they kind of rotate past each other at the first and seventh months the uh, new moons actually is when their months started so a year was dependent on how many moons there was so the tenth day of the seventh moon usually falls between September and October and uh, is the first month of the civil year. And the first month of the religious year falls around the first new moon of April, which was uh, the Passover time when Jesus was sacrificed. So the sanctuary service is like a complete revelation of God's plan of salvation. Sandbox demonstration beginning to end and is a study in itself. Uh, no, we're not going to pursue that this morning. The point is, it has an end, and its end, at its end, Satan is destroyed by what the Bible calls the fire prepared for the devil and his angels, and those who have chosen to go with them rather than accept God's way of redeeming them. They're not lost for believing a lie but for stubbornly trying to climb up some other way than what God has provided, refusing to accept what he has revealed and for not believing the truth. I think pride is a huge problem for humanity. I confess I've struggled with it. We all have. We're, we're just, here we are in our fallen nature. But um, there comes a point of reckoning where we go, okay, I'm going to choose to believe what God tells me. He's... He's my father. Even a mad dog has to be put down in mercy rather than letting it thrash and froth about in misery. But there are deceptions in the world that say that there's a second chance to be saved. And those who look to that false hope will be irretrievably lost. And it is critical to read God's word using Miller's rules of interpretation which are available online. Um, he basically says the Bible explains itself, and you will find as you follow that method that it's true. But it will come to an end, and God's suffering can cease, for he suffers with us. We read that rebellion will be put down in a way that is perfectly consistent with God's character as a merciful and long-suffering benevolent being. So I have found 
a warning in 1 John 4, 1 through 5. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. I'm going to list the references for the ten tests of a true prophet in the Bible. I'm just going to list them slowly enough, hopefully, that you can write them down and look them up yourself. The first one is the predictions always come true. Jeremiah 28, verse 9. Number two, they can't have like a 30% accuracy, 80% accuracy, 90% accuracy. They have to come true. Second, glorify God, not their self. That is um, John 16, 13. There's no private interpretation. You can't have a prophet's interpretation. He has to. It's not a private interpretation. Second Peter Chapter 1, 20 and 21. Number 4, they point out sin. That's Micah 3, 5 through 8. Number 5, they warn of coming judgment. Isaiah 24, verses 20 and 21. Number 6, they edify the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 3 and 4. 7, their message harmonizes with the Bible. That's Isaiah 8, 20. 8. They teach that Jesus came in the flesh. That's 1 John 4, 1 through 3. 9. They have a Christ-like character. Matthew 7, 16 through 20. 10. They're obedient to the will of God. Deuteronomy 18, 18. Okay, here's an example um, Catholicism, I'm not talking about the Catholic people, I'm saying Catholicism teaches that Jesus did not come all the way down to us. And so you need to have an intermediary priest. You go to him, confess to him, talk to him, and he will talk to Mary. Or you can pray to Mary, and Mary will reach you up to uh, to Jesus. But as we know, we are his children, and we can talk to him directly in prayer. Also, the Trinity doctrine from Tertullian, it doesn't allow for Jesus to come in our flesh. 1 John 2.22 says, He is Antichrist that denies the Father and Son. We read that God still holds out the hope of forgiveness. But no matter your creed or your belief, I think we all agree that the end events are culminating rapidly. So, I... <laughs> Somehow I have a second warning here. I don't know how I did that. But I chose 1 John 2, verse 23. Whoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. The promise, John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do we believe that God had a begotten Son? If we believe in Him, we may have everlasting life. If we believe that the title of Son is symbolic, then we're followers of Tertullian and Antichrist in nature. Okay, but we're going to sing this little hymn. It's a scripture song, For God So Loved the World. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. To die on Calvary's tree, 
from sin to set us free. Someday he's coming back. What glory that will be. Wonderful his love to me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you are willing to let your son come and give his life all the way down into our flesh. He came for us, Lord, to reach down the very lowest all the way down to me. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for those who are here with me this morning that they would be willing to search your scriptures for what is truth and be ready to meet you in peace. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. My friend, please join me tomorrow morning and we'll try to have a steady without a kitty constantly jumping on the paperwork. Sorry about that. He wants me right now, so I will let you go. Have a wonderful day.